Hello, welcome to another episode of the Two Harbors Consulting Podcast. I am George Zeck, a member of the Two Harbors Consulting team. And in this episode, we are going to share a recording of a webinar that I did with my colleague, Tom Klein, who is also a member of Two Harbors Consulting and a lead appraiser. It was the first type of webinar like that we did like this called Ask an Appraiser Anything, where we entertained questions regarding the CMMI model, the medical device discovery appraisal uh, program pilot, uh, regulation, and just process improvement in general. I think you'll find it to be valuable. We're looking to do these sorts of webinars again in the future, and if you have questions that you'd like to see us address in those sorts of webinars, you can reach out. Contact information is in the podcast show notes. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. All right, so we'll start this off here. Uh, thanks for all of you for tuning in. Um, we have, it looks like about uh, eight people that have joined in on this webinar. Um, I'm going to just uh, kind of kick around a couple of the questions that we got in to start uh, with, with you, Tom. Um, but then we'll maybe do one of those. And then if, if any of you have a question just that you want to weigh in on anything related to the model, regulation, what's going on with the MDAP program, process improvement, um, in, in any of those arenas. Yeah, this is, as we called it, this is ask an appraiser anything. Uh, so you're allowed to ask us anything. I guess that gives us license to basically give you anything in regards to a response. But um, hey, so Tom, the, one, of the, one of the questions that we initially got um, that I'm going to throw your way just to see what you have to say on it is um, uh, how should a mature and a not so mature company best utilize the program to improve? So this came from somebody at a medical device company, and uh, it's a pretty broad question, right? So when they say the program, um, I'm assuming they're talking about the medical device discovery appraisal program. And it sounds like they are speaking about different sets of results that they've got um, from their organization. So they have some organization that's coming back with a mature set of results, and then what they perceive as a mature set of results or maybe quote unquote good scores. And then they're also getting results back from uh, another part of their organization that are maybe reflecting lower capabilities or less maturity. What do you think, Tom? Well, thank you, George, and that it's a good question. I think um, in, in both cases, I guess if you're, you need to look at the organization wherever they currently are. So um, those scores are where that, where that organization is functioning right now. Now, the scores, as if you've spent more than a couple minutes with George or me, you'll know that we don't really, we don't really lean, we don't even like the percentage scores. We look at the practice characterization. So where are there, where's, where is the room for improvement? Um, so we're gonna be looking where the, the CMMI practice may not be met. So that is seen on a scorecard as a partial or a deficient. Um, typically, and we, w we wouldn't look at some of the satisfieds. Now, if you're, I, I like working with both kinds of organizations, um, of course, because, you know, when you're working with a mature organization, they understand the data, they understand um, continuous improvement really well, they're making excellent decisions, but they're, but they also recognize that they don't have it all figured out yet. And they're able to, to really zone in on um, a specific kind of improvement. They are still improving. And so that's fascinating to learn how a highly mature organization is is still looking for improvement opportunities. I also love working with groups that are not as mature because there's a ton of potential benefits and you get to see and experience and help guide through a lot of these improvement opportunities. 
So um, if I was in an organization that had had sites across the spectrum, um, you really don't try to put them into the same model of improvement. I think you look at mm -hmm. how um, what is best for that organization that is that is dealing with more challenges. Maybe um, you're going to focus even the model. You know, the CMMI model is based on a series of levels and the first pass through the medical device appraisal program, you're looking primarily at, at level two um, practices with a few of the level three areas. That's where you start. And in some of those lower performing organizations, they may be having some challenges on things like project management and configuration management, process quality. So we'll look at some of those things. The, the model can kind of help guide that. Um, whereas your higher maturity organizations, they do just fine in some of those areas. And we're looking at the higher level practices. So I'll give that as a starting point, George. I'm just one of the yep. appraisers on the call. Yep. Well, so just, just to be clear on that, Tom is actually a certified lead appraiser, and I am a lead appraiser candidate. So I'm not quite a a, a full-grown boy yet, um, hopefully at some point in the future. I've instead been a bit, I've been more on the, the regulatory side. And so with that as a foundation, I'll give a bit of a spin on it um, from the, regu the regulatory uh, perspective. Um, I, I've been recently working with a, uh, an organization um, that I've had the privilege of uh, working with um, for in excess of um, a handful of years, um, going in and doing audits. And so early audit findings were things such as, hey, you don't have a procedure for such and such um, a part of the regulation, right? I can point to an ISO standard and you don't have a procedure for that. So that's a pretty, that's a, that's a, in, in audit speak, that's a major nonconformity, right? So you're lacking. And so really the improvement opportunity there for the not so mature, the not so capable organization is like, start to define a basic process around that, or look at what you do and define those particular processes and do it in a way that's going to be in conformance or in compliance with the regulation. Now, here we are, I've been working, as I said, I've been working with that organization for quite a few years. I come back and, and it's, um, they have they have all their basic processes, but then I'm looking at those processes, and when I'm auditing them, rarely am I really finding things that where they're not in compliance with a, a standard or or medical device regulation or other regulation that might be applicable to them. But instead, it's refining those processes so that they're more efficient for that particular organization. So, for example, um, do you know we were looking at say their um, their training processes. They make changes to process or they make changes to documentation and they were and, and so they have a training process and it was basically like hey every time you make a change you have to you have to go train everybody on that thing and so now what are they doing they're just pumping out hundreds and hundreds of trainings to people and they get these emails and they're supposed to just all read and understand and and, and just be like oh okay now i know this thing and it was like wait a minute can you leverage some sort of decision making criteria within that to determine what kind of changes require just read and understand or read and acknowledge or in classroom training or, hey, we actually have to have somebody take a test for that particular thing. So it's refining those particular processes. That's just one example that, you know, even though I've been working with this organization over years, it's the journey hasn't ended, right? They, they, they started off in a state of low capability, low maturity, defined basic processes, and then over time continue to refine, define those so that they best meet the needs of your business, which may include being compliant to regulation, as well as CMMI frameworks, but just looking for that, leaning it out, making it more efficient, making it more clearly understood. Um, that just—I don't—I don't think that that ends. It's just—it's just different points in, in, in the spectrum.
I think the other the other thing I would add is, especially if you're an organization where you do have lots of different sites that you can draw on the benefits from from the more mature site, try to figure out how you can work together, where it makes sense. Is the more mature group really good at estimation or, um, or measurement, something like that, that they could help um, guide the less mature site? You just have to use that kind of sparingly and, and look at the cultures of the organization to see how well that kind of thing comes across. Sure. All right. So, hey, Tom and I, if you haven't gathered yet, Tom and I are happy to just like yap at each other for the next, you know, 46 minutes here, but certainly would love to hear from any of you. So if any of you have a question or a comment or thought that you want to inject in here into the conversation, please just just jump in and, and unmute and, and, and weigh in with your question. Um, or you, like I said, if, if you're um, not wanting to do that in a public forum, you can drop it in the chat. So anybody? Go ahead, Bernardo. Okay, good morning to everyone. I just uh, I have a question. Uh, it's related to FDA, uh, uh, related to, to the CMMI maturity, that's a maturity program. How does the FDA adjust its engagement or particip participation activities and submission requirements in recognition of this independent quality maturity assessment or appraisal. How how is that relation between the the results of this CM, CMMI program and the FDA? How the CMMI um, group uh, communicate to the FDA of the results of the of the of the company during the appraisal? Thanks. All right, I'll take a I'll take a first crack at that, and then Tom, please um, weigh in on anything that I missed. So, so <clears throat> um, within the medical device discovery appraisal program, which is also now sometimes called the voluntary improvement program, so you'll hear MDAP or VIP for those two things. Um, when you when an organization initially enrolls into the program, um, and they and they go through some enrollment steps with the with the CMMI Institute. Um, assuming that the organization is uh, in compliance uh, or has a good compliance history, um, and again, there's some other checks that the CMI Institute does with the FDA, um, the organization then gets um, starts, starts to get a, uh, down a path of receiving some modifications to or, or benefits to, to regulation. One of those initial benefits uh, upon enrollment, and some of these things I think are contingent upon like an SO, like a, an SOW being executed between the CMI Institute and the organization and, and some payment of the program fee specifically. And I'm not super privy to that, but once those all those things are triggered, the organization then coordinates with the FDA to say, hey, look, this organization's now in the program. FDA said, yep, they're in good compliance history. Boom, they get removed from what's called the routine inspection list from CDRH, right? Mm -hmm. So now there's a little bit of a, a wrinkle to that. So if you're an organization that's producing pro combination products that would also be like, say, you know, a drug, a drug eluding stint, right? So in addition to having, um, uh, in addition to being regulated by the CDRH side of the house, you also have some um, accountability to the drug side of the house, CEDAR. Um, CDRH cannot speak on behalf of the CEDAR side. So you could even though you might be removed from the routine inspection list for CDRH, um, there's still the possibility if you're dealing with combination products that you could still invoke an inspection from the CEDAR side. Additionally, these are routine inspections. 
Um, so if there's a reason, you know, if there's a poor cause inspection, um, that is outside, you know, the, the FDA gets information, they, they're seeing some, some sort of signal that, hey, we have to, we have to go visit that particular facility, that, um, that's outside the, the bounds of this particular benefit. I think that's it in a, in a nutshell for that initial, that initial piece, um, for that routine inspection piece. Now, have there been, there's been some mistakes where even though an organization has been enrolled into an or, uh, into the program and they've been said, hey, you get this benefit, there's still the knock on the door and the FDA has shown up and they're like, hey, wait a minute, we're a part of this program. And so that's actually revealed some improvements that the agency has worked on to um, communicate more effectively about who's enrolled in the program and um, uh, who's receiving those particular, those particular benefits. Mm -hmm. Then to extend on that, um, you go through your, there, there's the entire planning process of your appraisal, you execute the appraisal, you get the result, it goes through a quality, that appraisal goes through a quality check back at the Institute. Those, um, then the Institute lets the um, agency know that, an, um, that your appraisal has occurred. And then the agency gets a very small set of data, um, which really is just the scores for each of the practice areas that you were assessed against. So what's missing, and, and, and this is typically shown in, in the kickoff or in some sort of lead up by your lead appraiser as to what the agency sees versus what you see. So you being a part of the appraised organization, you see the very specific, the verb, the, the verbiage of the very specific results, right? Hey, there's an opportunity for the organization to improve in project management in, in, in such and such regard. You see the specific practice scores. Hey, you satisfied that practice. You are partial on that practice. You are deficient on that practice. You see all that detail. The agency, they see none of that. The agency just sees the aggregate scores for the entire practice area. So they would see, oh, the organization scored 80% in configuration management. The organization scored 90% uh, in estimating. And then they see the average of all those scores across that. With that, the organization then is, um, is then eligible to take advantage of other benefits, such as the accelerated 30-day change notice and the site transfer uh, benefit. Those are the two that have been taken advantage of by manufacturing organizations the most. In fact, I think we had a question, somebody recently asked um, how many 30-day change notices have been processed by the FDA. Um, the data is a little aged. What I, what I got from Cisco on that was it was about 330 or 340 30-day change notices um, had been um, processed. And um, most of the, I think on an average of the, the, the average of the processing time those, on those was about 12 days. Site transfers, understandably, that occurs a lot less. That's, that's not something that, you know, organizations just swap around. I think they had done five or six, six of those. Um, as long as you're enrolled in the program in good standing, uh, meaning that you are uh, annually executing appraisals, you're participating in checkpoints, you're paying your invoices to the CMI Institute, um, and you're still standing in good compliance history, those are benefits that are still eligible to you. So that's that's a whole mouthful there. Tom, did I miss did I miss anything, or is there anything that you want to to add to that? You're, you're muted, Tom. Yep, sorry. Um, you think I would be better at this? Um, there are a few things I would add, but I wanted to see if Bernardo had a follow up question, or if anyone has a follow up question first. Nope, I okay. have a, an addition to that, but it it kind of just flows on from that. So I might ask that question when when you're done. Sure. Tom, Go, ahead, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, it it's it it's similar to Bernardo Bernardo's um 
question is uh, I was wondering in addition to that what is the, the feedback from the FDA on, on the program and then um, what is the, the the growth in terms of number of, of, of companies that are now on on the program Um, so that's really just a follow-on from what Bernardo was asking sure let's get back to that Tom did you want to add anything on in regards to the benefits well just yes so quickly I know and I, I think that's a, a great question and we can we've been going through several pilots recently um, as we're doing virtual appraisals, so I can give you some some current feedback from their perspective as well. But just a couple of notes about the the accelerated change process is that while I think the overall average was around 12 days, um, most of the groups that I've been working with have seen closer to an average of eight days. And um, for everyone that that I'm working with, we're very closely monitoring what the experience is for the site because. It's great if there are some that are as fast as three or five days, but if you can't rely on it, if there's no predictability, then you can't, you're gonna get value on it, but you can't put it into planning. So we are trying to, to discover what the, the variance is for a given site so that we can really work on the planning. And the best I can tell, the variance, sometimes it falls into two categories. It's either who the reviewer is. Um, so there are some people that, that either take longer or need to look at more information or how complex the kind of submission is. So we're still trying to gather details for the kinds of submissions so that we can even refine it to say, if it's one of these kinds of submissions, it may be as long as 12 days, but these other ones will go through in as fast as three, just so you can continue to improve your own predictability. Um, the other thing about the site transfers, while there have only been Handful, I think George said maybe there was five total in the program. We've seen some really impressive turnarounds. Like one of the first ones at a group that I'm working with went from 180 days to 13 days for the site transfer approval process. And that allows them to get to market a whole lot faster. So that's a substantial improvement. Okay. Um, so that, I just wanted to close that out with Bernardo. Owen's question is a great one. George, do you want to start with that? Yeah, I think that um, I think. So uh, first, I, I'd be errant to not say this. Um, you know, we while we are we are contracted by the CMMI Institute to go and execute these appraisals, and because we do a lot of those, and we're involved with in talking to you, and we ask a lot of questions of the FDA and the agency. I'm sorry, and the institute. Um, you know, we have a lot of insight on the program. However. We are not the CMI Institute, and so I, I can actually hear, you know, our friend Kim Kaplan in my ear saying, "I'm I'm probably missing some particular attribute specifically that she would feel is very important to, to uh, add to our answers on this in regards to how you're provided those particular benefits." So, you know, the source of truth on that, while we can give you this, you know, webinar answer, make sure that you also are clear on that with the CMI Institute. You should also have access to the participant. Uh, calls. Uh, we we don't, but I think uh, you you or somebody in your organization has access to the participant call. And so if there's something there that you're not clear on, sp again, specific to your organization, that's probably something that you can follow up in the participant call or directly with the CMI Institute. Um, that said, to answer Owen's question on the agency's um, perception of it, um, you know, I think the short answer is they feel good about it. Um, one, we're in, we're in the third year of the program. Um, and so if this was not going well, I think it would have probably been uh, curtailed some time ago. Um, two, they've demonstrated a uh, willingness to continue the program in light of COVID-19. And they're, to Tom's earlier point, they're looking for ways to continue the program in a virtual sense um, with 
executing these appraisals, you know, in webinars like this. Um, they've been wading into that with the CMMI Institute by looking at organizations that are in their third year of appraisal. They're now piloting that with second year. Um, there's conversation as to how they're going to go ahead and pilot that even with first year um, organizations uh, in, in light of uh, current events. Uh, everything I ever hear from um, Cisco or Blada, who often present on these uh, on, on the state of the program, or even Dr. Shuring when he speaks to it, is uh, is positive um, in, in a couple of ways. Um, they're really excited to see how organizations are taking this information and how they're learning from that and continuing to improve. Um, the agency has also indicated in several of their presentations, and I can probably pull this data separately as to benefits that they have seen. Right, so if they are not um, if they are not necessarily having to um, go and execute routine inspections for organizations that are low risk because they've had a good compliance history and they're participate, participating in this program, that gives them the ability to focus on other work, right? They can, they can review other submissions. They can focus on organizations that may not necessarily be in compliance as opposed to executing those routine inspections. Uh, so the, the agency is seeing some benefit. Um, I, I think I... Like all of you, you know, we've been eager to see when this is going to be announced as a program. Uh, my understanding is that um, there's conversation that that's supposed to occur uh, sometime next year. I think there's been some um, holdup, as I understand it, uh, based on you know, because of COVID-19. Um, there's also been this drive to get the uh, the program to be, the case, the whole case for quality to be part of a um, FDA collaborative community. I think that's also been a driver to it. Um, another indication that they're very happy with the program is some of you have probably heard about the accelerating sustainable capability pilot that they're running, which is essentially taking, hey, we've done this with compliant organizations. Can we take what we've learned here and translate that in a similar fashion to organizations that are not in compliance? So can we can we take CMI appraisal activity and other activity and um, leverage the best practice model of the CMI framework to help organizations that are not in compliance? I think. Their willingness to do that also demonstrates um, uh, happiness uh, on, on hold with the program so uh, or the pilot. Uh, so I think there's a lot of things that, that, that's been positive indicators that, uh, that the agency is uh, satisfied. I'm not certain if that's completely answering your question, Owen, or if you were looking to take it in a different direction. No, that, it, it has. Um, and I'm, I'm just wondering, is there any more, is there a plan for the FDA to move out of the pilot phase and say that this is... No longer in pilot pilot mode, and this is, you know, this is here for the long haul. This is this is a, a program that we're we're bought into long term. Yeah, I, I believe me, I really hope so. I mean, I, I've been <laughs> we've been knocking on that door as appraisers to say, you know, can we get from pilot to program um, for for some time? Um, I think it's just that there's been some eyes to dot and t's across from the the agency's perspective uh, to, to make that happen. Um, I, I wish I could give you the you know the specific weather report to say yes, that the agency is planning to do that on uh, October twelfth, right? But uh, you know the, the latest I've heard is that they're looking to do that sometime early next year. No problem. That's that's fine. Thanks, thanks, George. That that, that said, that said, I think that um, I, I I sometimes I, I sometimes look at this and I'm like, really, what's the significant difference that we're seeing right now in our ability to um, provide value to the organizations by way of CMMI appraisals and for the organizations to get these regulatory benefits and, you know, call it a pilot, call it a program. There's really, I don't think there's going to be, even when they go to program and maybe I'm wrong, maybe there's going to be some additional benefits that come out or it's going to be further cemented, or maybe there's some, you know, additional documentation that comes out of the agency from some sort of, in, in terms of a draft guidance. Um, but, you know, right now, I think if they were to say, Hey, it's a program, 
you know, there's really probably would not be a significant difference in what we are able to provide to you and what the, and what this thing looks like. So a, a couple of things that I would add to that. I, I agree that if, if it becomes a real program tomorrow, I don't anticipate any change in the way that I'm, I'm doing an appraisal next week or, or any time in the future. I do know that as an organization, if I put myself in your seat there, Owen, I would be much more comfortable knowing that True. this is a real program and maybe I'll bring some more sites in. Whereas right now, maybe you're sort of dipping your toe into the water at the moment and seeing how well it works. If it was a full-blown program, you would start um, building a plan for how to bring your other sites where it makes most sense. And I know I know from your site, Owen, that, that there are organizational, um, there's sort of a strategy of how much and when and who makes the most sense to, to bring into it. But I do know there's a, a huge difference from your perspective if it's a pilot and a program. Um, and like George said, he can't speak for the CMMA Institute. We're, we're giving some feedback that we received from the FDA, but obviously we're, we aren't. And so we're just sharing some of our comments about that. Um, the other couple of things I would add about what does the FDA think about this program? Um, because we've been doing so many of these virtual pilots lately, as a, a part of um, the interaction, we do some conversation with them at the end of each day. How well did it go? Do you feel like there's a difference between an on-site versus a virtual appraisal, that kind of thing? And on the virtual side, really, we're not seeing much of a difference. And in some ways, a virtual appraisal is really better, like a site tour. I can see a video of, of an operator working something really clearly, much better than if I was standing in a group of seven, kind of huddling over, trying to see. Nothing, though, beats being on site with you, seeing the things that are on the walls, talking to people, the, the hallway conversations, even getting like right. the smell and the sound of the environment. So I don't I don't foresee the virtual being something that we would retain. Um, but I do think we will retain some of the virtual elements going forward. And the other comment that I would say about what they are seeing as a benefit is uh, if you talk to Cisco or Blada, their their biggest um, comments are how how engaged is the site? What do they do during the appraisal, between the appraisals? Are they actually using this program for the value that it can be? And they see a real difference from a group that says, um, we're gonna do the same areas again, and we're gonna give you our best projects. It's much more like an audit. How can we get these people out the door as quickly as possible? Um, they like to see when, when you as an organization say, we're paying quite a bit of money for these things. These are people that have experience, so let's treat them as consultants instead of auditors. And the last few appraisals that I've done, the sponsor and the site coordinator have brought in projects that maybe there was a challenge or they've been working with some kind of a hurdle um, organizationally. And we've used some of those projects or product um, production kind of activities as the example, instead of the shiny apple um, that, that they would normally want to, to put in front of people. And when when Cisco and Blada heard that, I think they were really pleased that that's the essence of how this program can work. They don't care about what the scores are. In fact, there's a slide that we've, we've recently uncovered. They're excited about your engagement and the journey of finding improvements. So um, they're much more interested in you using this to get value during the appraisal outside of just the benefits. So that's me kind of talking a lot, but I've, I've been fortunate enough to be on calls with, 
with Cisco and Blada a lot in the last two weeks. And, and so I really am encouraging all of the groups that I'm working with, let's focus in areas that are of value to you, especially if you have a challenge, let's look at it and we'll try to help. Perfect, thank you. I'm gonna, we got a question in the, in the, in the chat, Tom, I'm gonna go ahead and read it. It says, hi everyone, since we are in the MDAP VIP program, we don't have FDA inspections. We do continue to have notified body audits. For most of our notified body audits, we hear, I hear from the auditors, we expect two to five audit findings per audit day. How would you explain to a notified body auditor that a quota for audit findings is not aligned with VIP appraisals? What sound bites do you have for notified body auditors about the MDAP VIP program? Just only two to five audit findings a day? I, I think that I could probably, you know, in auditing, I could probably come up with a lot more than that. So I would say to those, no, I'm kidding, obviously. <laughs> well, I think that, um, I'll take a crack at this. Um, really, I, I, and I think the two questions go together uh, in regards to audit findings um, versus um, VIP appraisals. Um, they're they're very different. They're very different things. Um, you know, first, um, and some of you have heard me give this example about compliance versus um, overall quality. Um, my my adult offspring, spring, my children are a little bit older now. Um, but I really got the idea of the difference between compliance versus um, uh, overall quality is when my son got his driver's license. Like th that day when he was 16, um, he had demonstrated he was a compliant driver. Um, now in his mind, in his 16 year old mind, he was convinced he was a quality driver. I had a very different perspective as to what quality meant in regards to his driving uh, skills and ability. I was really appraising his overall driving competency or his capabilities. Um, and whereas the proctor of his driving exam was really just looking at uh, the quality of his driving. So an audit finding there might be like, hey, you rolled a stop sign. Hey, you didn't use your blinker. And you could probably come up with that number of things. Whereas I would probably be looking at you know, a broader set of, you know, hey, did you do pattern recognition? In you know, you saw a ball bouncing out into the street. Did you stop because maybe a kid is going to um, run out into the street? Those sorts of things. So I, I think that in regards to speaking to a notified body about the, the program, you know, there is a, uh, there is a, I think there's a 10 slide um, onboarding deck that all of you should have. I would probably, uh, if, if a notified body was interested in understanding um, what's this program about, um, I would start with that, or I would point them to any of the number of the MDICX um, webinars that are that discuss the particular program as just as a basic orientation. And really, the key takeaway is that we are looking at the, the organization um, as a whole, um, as a system, to understand how they can improve their overall quality and not just be in compliance. All of you in the program have already demonstrated um, a commitment to compliance and demonstrated a strong compliance history. Um, it still doesn't mean that, you know, hey, by way of your internal audits or your customer audits or your notified body audits, that you're still not, you may still come up with audit findings. Um, there, but um, this the, the MDAP program is going to be much broader th than that. Um, I think that you know, if somebody's coming in the organization and they're saying, "Hey, I'm going to find two to five audit findings a day," uh, it, I, I don't know. That seems to me like uh, you know, it's probably something that's drilled into the organization that you know you have to find you know the person that's doing that. You have to find something um, you know, provide some value as opposed to just showing up and saying. Oh yeah, you're in compliance. You're fine, and and, and then walking away. Um, it, it, it might be a very hard conversation with the NB uh, auditor to say like, 
you know, where are you coming up with that? It, it feels like it's a bit of an arbitrary thing. Um, you know, I've also, having been in some of you, many of you have probably been through audit training. You know, I remember when I went through CQA, it was like, look, once you get to 10 to 12 audit findings, you can kind of stop. The organization's kind of done there. You, you know, giving the the organization an audit report with 45 audit findings is, is, is too much. I remember hearing that and I was like, well, that's kind of arbitrary. Like, what if they have actually 45 non-compliances? What, why wouldn't you report that to them? So the two to five feels a bit um, arbitrary to me, but it might be a bit a pushing rope uphill to get the organization to understand that. Does, Catherine, does that, does that help? Yeah, thanks very much, George. Great. Um, Tom, anything I would, to add to that? Yep, I would, because I'm not as much in the, the regulatory um, side of things at all, the way when George describes that this is broader than quality system, I mean, I, I look at this more as um, like an operational excellence kind of activity. Um, what George said is right. You wouldn't even be in this program if you weren't doing a lot of things really, really well. So um, when I start an appraisal, I sort of get the sniff test and sense, is that quality stuff all true? Or was that a, have maybe have things been missed? But as soon as I get a sense that it is really, it is what it says in the tin, then I move on to um, how else can we provide some value looking outside of the quality system? Um, the just two quick things that I would say is, um, as an appraisal team lead, we always start by understanding as much as we can about the goals and objectives of the organization. What's truly important for this year, the next three to five years, where have some of the challenges been? And that's how we start. That's the, the context and the foundation. And once you trust us, you know, you can share more about that. I know that a first year thing, you're not gonna come right out and say, this is where we're really struggling. But but I think, Owen, you can, you probably have a sense now that that you've been through the program, you know how it works. You you are freer to say, this is where some of our challenges are. Not that, not that you have any, but, um, so I, I think starting with that as the context um, is a, a little bit different. And um, and then as a team, what I encourage the group is to say, we're gonna collect all kinds of things, but we're not just gonna report everything that is wrong. We're gonna try to lift up a few levels and say, why are these symptoms showing up? What are the true issues? And then let's focus in on that. And we'll try to refine some of our conversations on those things. We're not gonna report out everything that's a little trivial, Item, but we are going to try to say this is where I think the the root of some of these issues are coming from. Right, right, and I think like you know to go to the driver example there of my, of my son. You know when when I saw him, not necessarily ex when I would be in the in the path, you know the death death defying experience in the younger days of being in the passenger seat. You know root cause was well you're blasting this music so dang loud. You know of course you're not thinking about that stop sign or you're not thinking about that particular turn signal, it's the same sort of thing. It's like, can we take a step back from all those particular appraisal opportunities and like, you know, what is the root cause here? Is it, is it, you know, there's not adequate training, there's not adequate space, there's not adequate resources, there's not necessarily, you know, clarity in terms of the objectives. What is it, you know, that we can abstract away from all the individual um, appraisal opportunities to give the organization a true like, hey, if you start to turn the dial on this thing, it's gonna help you correct or improve on all these other little things that we're detecting in the model. Looks like Owen had a question, follow up maybe. No, I, I was just going to say you're right, until it's unusual and um, obviously the first time I went through the program wasn't quite sure what to expect. And I think you have to go through 
the the first assessment to really understand um what the approach is what the intent of the program is and it's not your know, standard typical you know fda uh, assessment it's a very different thing but and i i was obviously obviously very pleasantly surprised coming out of it and how this assessment went and and the intent of it and obviously now the benefits that we're starting to see from it and obviously bit by bit and i think as the um, the intent of the program is that you you it is like that continuous improvement program it's another method another tool to help you to help you do that so and um, for anyone who hasn't gone on it i think no amount of talking tom i don't think is going to really um explain until they go through it and they sit through it and they understand well you know it is it is what you say it is it's exactly what it says on the tent so um no i was just that's the only comment i was going to make it, I, I might have to capture that and make make that like the closing for you know, all the future the future webinar. Like, okay, we're done. <laughs> Thank you. So that's a, that's great to hear that, Owen. Hey, we got a couple of additional um, questions in in the chat that were sent over to me privately. Um, program benefit. Uh, it, it asked me, are the program benefits different depending upon the maturity level achieved by the company, um, and how long must the company stay in the program? So uh, the first one is I'm um, and. I'm gonna put a big asterisk in front of this. This is going to get to be a little bit of inside baseball. You know, I'm gonna get a little bit into jargon and terminology specific to the model, um, which is to say like, it, one, maturity levels in, in the uh, in MDAP or VIP don't really matter, but I'm gonna explain. You'll hear Tom and I use maturity or capability, um, sometimes very specifically and sometimes generically, but they have very specific meaning, me, meanings within the CMMI model. Now, those of you that are familiar with CMMI, as it's been around for the last 20 years, um, the DOD, the Department of Defense in the US, um, required as a part of RFPs, organizations, to um, be of a certain particular maturity level. So maturity levels are lined out in the CMMI model, um, one through five, okay? And what they were looking for is organizations that were typically at least CMMI level two, or sometimes level three, um, to demonstrate that they had the ability to deliver projects on time with, you know, of on budget um, to a certain level of quality meeting uh, specific requirements. They, they were of the belief that, hey, if, if we can partner with an organization that's similar level two, three, five, whatever it is, we're going to ensure better success of that particular project. This still this is still around for a lot of those um, DoD organizations, and in fact, a lot of organizations that still contract with the government um, will receive. Uh, points um, when their their uh, proposal is being considered if they have a CMMI level two or CMMI level three. So there's that maturity level approach. Now, when we were defining um, the this program, um, there was a question as to if we should bring maturity levels to this particular program. And it was agreed that that would not be a good idea for this particular program because the maturity level would potentially drive, not, not absolutely drive, but potentially drive within some organizations um, a behavior of, look, we just want to drive to maturity level two, get our regulatory benefits, check the box, and then move on. And, and we really wanted to build a culture of that's not what this is about. This is about continuous improvement. So we dropped the entire maturity level consideration entirely from the, the, the conversation. So there is no explicit assessment to say, hey, um, we're coming in and doing a maturity uh, level two benchmark uh, appraisal for you or a maturity level three um, for, your, for your particular organization. Um, by way of participating in the program, 
um, regardless of your results, you are receiving a particular a particular benefit, the regulatory benefits that we discussed uh, previously. Um, there has been one organization um, that has gone through a benchmark. I'll talk a little bit about that in here in a second. Um, and but what they the other term that you'll hear us use is capability levels. So the model, the, the version of the model that's currently um, that we leverage, the 2.0 version of the model, um, has its practices um, within every practice area uh, set up in a what they call an evolutionary way where there's capability level one, capability level two, capability level three, so on and so forth. Some, some practice areas uh, just go to level two. So configuration management, as an example, only has capabilities that go up to level two. Some like uh, managing performance and measurement have capabilities that go all the way up to level five. Most have capabilities, most of the models, practices in the model currently have practices that go up to the capability level three. So as you would expect, um, very basic um, expectations for any particular practice area are at those lower levels of capability and, and you essentially build on those um, as, as you go up. So in defining the scope of an appraisal or the criteria of your appraisal for an organization, um, you'll hear us talk about, all right, look, are we looking at this particular practice area to capability level two? Are we looking at this capability area to, to level three? For your initial um, appraisal, um, those are all, the, for the 11 practice areas that are in the criteria for the appraisal, they're all assessed to capability level two, with the exception of two practice areas, technical solution and product integration are assessed to capability level three. And the reason for that is it was recognized early on that most of the manufacturing organizations are already demonstrating a strong level of capability um, as they're in compliance. And so those, th those two areas were bumped up to capability level three just to further um, uh, provide value to the organization. In subsequent appraisals, yep, I'll get you in a second, Tom. In subsequent appraisals, it's often that organizations say, look, in addition to looking at other practice areas, we also want to look at these the existing practice areas that we had in scope previously, or those practice areas to capability, up to capability level three, um, just so that they, they get additional value out of the organization. So there's a, before I turn it over to Tom, there's a one, takeaways are, we don't assess to maturity levels in, in this particular program. Two, we do consider this capability level in, in defining the scope of your particular um, appraisal, and but that's done in a value in a way to add value back to the organization. But the the, the capability levels again, the scores, the capability levels, how you perform against any particular practice does not necessarily drive what particular level of benefit that you get um, by participating in the program. Tom. Yep, and I think that is. Um, probably even a, a, a simple answer is that no matter what your scores are, if you're considered a, a, a low maturity or a high maturity, which is I think a site specific um, delineation, the scores don't matter for the level of benefits that you get. And as far as how long you're in the program, right now it is, we, we go kind of year by year, that's the cadence. You have an appraisal and then you do three quarterly checkpoints to follow and then you do another appraisal. Um, as long as you stay engaged in those checkpoints, then you're eligible to do the next year. And um, we just submit a reappraisal rationale. So like George was describing the, the thought processes that go into an appraisal, we will work with you to figure out what are you most interested in, in looking at this next appraisal. We figure out the scope of the teams or the topics, and then we submit that reappraisal rationale to the FDA and then they will approve it. Um, or ask questions back about it. But 
as long as as long as you stay engaged, you can be in the program. And there doesn't we've we've wondered should there be an age out? Like, is there a time when an appraisal isn't going to be providing value to the organization? And I don't think that that is a possibility because we can look at a different group, look at a different set of um, content areas, examine a new product that's come in. Every appraisal can be completely different. So um, for right now, you can be in the program as long as you as long as you want to be and as long as you stay engaged. Great. Yeah, I probably went I, and that that's a much simpler answer, Tom. Thank you. Then you know, my going into you know all all the models speak between maturity and capability. That's all interesting. Good stuff, I think. But I think sometimes we use that word maturity in a in a formal sense, like with capability maturity model, and sometimes we're using maturity as in um, your son's driving skills, you know. Right. Right. Just, yeah, and, on, and in uh, fact, go ahead, Owen. Sorry, just on that last part of it, to, at the the second part of that question was, um, so it really, as long as you're you're in the program and you're engaged, and you know, you're obviously everybody wants to ensure that they're progressing and and improving as they go along, but the the overall benefits in terms of the assessment and the turnaround of the, the, the assessments, they're, they're typically the same regardless how long or the, the, the level of maturity or capability at the, the different sites are at. Is, is that correct? Yeah, That's, at current, there's no, there's no distinction made with how long an organization has been in the program or how they've performed against the, the model. There, there's no distinction in regards to what benefits an organization um, receives. Um, now there are, uh, and I think they just recently kicked up again uh, last month. Um, you know, some of these questions as to the, the the future of the program. There there are working groups that your organization should have the ability to participate in. There's a working group that um, is called additional regulatory benefits. So beyond the benefits that have been defined, is there space for between um, industry and the agency to define? Uh, other regulatory benefits. Um, so that's a very, as you as you might guess, that's a very you know robust conversation uh, when when it does occur. Um, there's some people that are very interested in trying to find additional uh, streamlining of 510k, um, and uh, also there is the um, where's the in, in other working groups. There's kind of conversation as to you know, what 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 does this look like for an organization? I, I've used the example like you know what's a year 14 appraisal look like. Um, I know that seems a little crazy for some people, that, but what do you mean year 14? We're like, we're just talking about year three. Um, but I think we have to have that conversation to be thinking about, you know, you know, is George knocking on the door of, uh, you know, organizations in Shannon, Ireland and be like, hey, I'm here for your year 14 appraisal. And, you know, what's what's the value add to the organizations? What type of benefits that they get with that? And I think that's also a very open conversation that, you know, is going to require input from agency, appraisers, the institute, industry, um, other players to to determine what that looks like in regards to uh, making sure that we're providing value to the organization. The FDA is getting good insight as to the organization in regards to how they're they're improving all, all of those aspects. I, I have I kind of have a question back to the group. Maybe um, there's there's something that as appraisers we've wondered if we are maybe not even year fourteen appraisals, but if we've done five or six, are are our eyes external enough now? That we're still mm -hmm. able to help you, and yeah, um, and I've worked with 
I've worked with a couple of different people and have asked that question. And they're and and most times people say, Well, you're only with us a week. <laughs> and then then you talk to us sometimes with education or three checkpoints in a year. So really you are still external, even though you get to know us. But sure. but what are you thinking? I mean, is there a time when you're kind of sick of, of our eyes and maybe you'd like to get a new appraiser? Well, I, I don't think it's even sick of it in so much as that there's just a, a um, you know, it, if, I, if I have had my hand on your organization and been looking at your work, you know, do I start to develop blind spots by, by way of that? And, you know, should there be a certain amount of turnaround within your, your appraiser or are we independent enough and they're infrequently enough that we still provide that value add? Uh, from from our side, guys, I know we're not that long in, in the program, but I think it's probably a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I think you're the the longer you are in the program, the the more in depth and more challenging you can be. You're you're more familiar with the processes, you're more familiar with the people. You're not really starting from scratch. So every time you come back in, you're not trying to really understand what does this what does this business or what does this company do? You're really able to get into the meat of it. You know, year one is okay. Well, what does this company do? This is the baseline. Now you really have that strong foundation that then year two and year three, you're not wasting time trying to understand it. You're going straight into the, the, the meat and bones of what's, you know, what are we doing? Maybe, maybe there's a combination of both. Maybe, you know, maybe mixing and um, getting fresh set of eyes in, in conjunction with you is um maybe preferable um but i do think there's benefit of having the, the same people um you know you're able to get in, as i said get into a little bit more more detail um but you you probably could benefit from um an extra fresh set of eyes or maybe swap swap one of you guys out in with someone else every other every other year um just to get that fresh set of eyes in there maybe it's a it's a combination of both Great. Others that have a thought on that? Yeah, I'm just I'm just aware of, you know, I've, I've talked to organizations where they're very used to that, you know, their um, uh, their FDA district inspector shows up, you know, periodically and they're, they're like, oh, it's it's Tom. You know, Tom's here for the you know his fourth year and and Tom does his walk around. And then they're like, but then one time it was Owen. Owen showed up at the door. We had never seen that guy before, and it was it was tough. <laughs> and so I think it's trying to balance that. To your point, Owen, it's trying to balance like making sure that we um, can shift the perspective to provide value back to the organization while also drawing on our experiences, so that we can continue to uh, dig uh, both wide and deep into an organization. Can I ask guys? It's one of my last questions that I had. I was just kind of curious. What do you think was the, the most significant change you've seen in, in your experience throughout the different um, assessments and, and the program from this, from when you first started it into where you were, you were now in terms of the overall um, maybe big, most significant change that you, you've seen throughout the program as it developed? Uh, so just let me clarify, are you talking about in terms of the program execution or are you talking about a change that a site made? No, in, in the execute the program execution, or has there been? Is it is it fairly? Um, well, I, I think I mean it. You know, the obvious one that quickly comes. I, I want to give that a little bit of thought, but the obvious one that comes to mind is the the shift to the virtual methods. Um, most recently, is 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 pretty significant, mm. um, and it, it's still something. Obviously, we're still testing out. 
and you know, I think that we've over this last seven months, we've all learned there's a lot of things that we can do um, as effectively, maybe even more effectively with uh, virtual methods. You know, certainly we're saving uh, travel costs to organizations by not having to uh, to, to perform that. Um, but there's there's challenges uh, with with it as well. Um, you know, sometimes you know, as Tom said, you have to you have to be in the walls of the organization to see, smell, um, and and see how that work is actually um, being performed. So I, I think that's you know the most recent operational change that is you know, not one I would have would have forecast. There, there's and there's and I can tell you there's there's a lot of different opinions. I mean, if you get five appraisers in the room, you're probably going to get seven opinions as to how effective. Um, we're, we're, we're being with that and, um, you know, whether this should be something that we should be able to do all the time or if we should actually, you know, um, absolutely, you know, drive back to being um, on site. Um, I think the, you know, the other one, it's not within this program, but like the shift to go to looking at for the separate pilot that the, uh, that MDIC and the agency is looking to run, the, the um, accelerating sustainable capability for the non-compliant sites. I think that's a pretty big you know that, that that's not directly answering your question because it's a pivot outside of this program to be considerate of that. But I think that's um, that's got a lot of um, a lot of potential. Um, I don't know, Tom. Do you have any any thoughts of things that have changed operationally within the context of the program that you'd want to bring up? It looks like Bernardo might want to throw in a question or comment here. Yeah, thank you. Just to finish. Oh, I think we are finished the the, the meeting. Uh, thanks for this meeting because it has been very, very useful for us. Do you have any specific uh, template to share with us uh, that explain each element, the major feature, feature of each element, and the specific uh, characteristics to explain to the rest of my organization about uh, what are the, the specific points to be evaluated by an appraiser? For each element, do you have any template to share with us? So specifically, you're looking at the practices that we would. Uh, yeah, uh, that explain each element. For example, technical solution, estimating, uh, supplier agreements. Each element. Do you have any template? Yes. So, so I think so. A couple, a couple things. Um, so. But, Quickly and and so yes, we are top of hour. So if people at the jump, please go ahead. Um, we have a couple more questions that Tom and I look to wrap up on. Um, but Tom, did you have any other changes to the program that you wanted to that you wanted to mention before we jump on? Um, yeah, um, Bernard's um, question. I I think there's the thanks George for for pulling it back for just a second. I think that um, we're starting to see more connection across the sites. You know, um, originally we said. We're, like if you have an NPI or an R&D site that's somewhere else and then a production site, a lot of times we would say we're just focusing on exactly what the scope of the site is, just like an FDA, um, FDA audit would. But mm -hmm. we're trying to expand that view a little bit more to say, well, how do you connect to the NPI group? And in some places, we've even started saying, why don't you invite somebody from that organization over? So I think, um, whether it's within the program or whether it's in conjunction with the site, we're starting to lift up and see more of the value stream across rather than treating it just like a different kind of audit, but it's the same scope. Let's see where the challenges are and trying to expand a little bit beyond that. I think that's one other thing I would call out. George's points are, are great. Um, and 
and and also I think as I'm using the lifting up idea, trying to 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 go above identifying every possible practice change and instead trying to get a sense of where are really the, the core problems and trying to look at a site at a more thematic way rather than and you're doing this wrong and you're doing this wrong because that doesn't help anybody. Um, so, yeah. and I guess the third the third of three things is just how we're approaching it. Initially, everybody was, we're looking at quality system only and we're not really expanding beyond that. And we quickly realized in the first year that by changing something in the supply organization that might be more logistics or operations, you can really make a big difference on success of the quality of the product. So, um, so I think getting that idea of starting here and then expanding out throughout the rest of the organization. I'll, I'll add just, and I do want to get back to Bernardo's question on on just the an overview of the of the, of the model. I'll also add, and this is not even a, a change in the program, but um, there's two things that I did not really expect to see be as successful um, as they have, and I'd like to see them actually further leveraged. Um, one, um, the, lever the use of um, embedded or internal um, appraisal team members. When we started the program, it was initially said, look, none of the appraisal team members can come from the actual organization um, because there was this thought by industry predominantly like, look, you, those people can't be independent. They're going to just be, they're going to be homers for their own organization. They're going to look, just be like, you know, we know where the skeletons are, what, what closets the skeletons are in. So don't look in those closets. We've actually shifted on that. And so, you know, some organizations have been um, very um, robust in leveraging internal team members. And they're always uh, a great add to the appraisal team. And in fact, they're sometimes even harder on their own organization than I think an appraisal team member would be. One of the things that I've seen there that's actually been, that I really didn't expect to see is we've had at least one case where um, from or medical device organization A, they were able to participate um, uh, on an appraisal for medical device organization B, which I thought was like, that's that's profound. Now, mind you, they were not competing, you know, they weren't like both in the same like cardiac space, right? They came from different market niches within medical devices. So I think that that, that was, um, that was pretty um, pretty amazing. Um, and the other thing is that just the the you know the, these sorts of conversations and by way of the working groups, these ongoing connections that are occurring between you know hey Stryker, Medtronic, Baxter, Boston Scientific, you know big organizations, small organizations. I, that's just a handful of them that I mentioned. This sort of community that's building in regards to best practice sharing and how to you know improve quality um, overall. It's also probably that. And I can't measure that, that kind of connection and community that's being built by way of this program. But I think that is a, and it's not really a direct answer to your question, Owen, but that's a great benefit that's coming out of this for, for the participants in the program. To shift, and again, I, I am cognizant of time, um, to shift to Bernardo's question. Um, so to get insight to, so one, by way of being involved in the program, somebody at your, your site uh, should have access to the model viewer. Um, I believe that each site gets um, at least a couple licenses. There, there might actually be, you know, broader license. I'd, I'd have to check with the institute as to how they're handling that. But that gives you the broad insight to the entirety of the model. Um, I will also share posts uh, this call with everybody that has signed up. There is a freely available um, uh, document. It's called the. Um, 
the CMMI model at a glance. So it's it's this particular, I'll send you the PDF of this or a link to the PDF off the CMMI website. Um, this is a 36 page document um, and, and Tom just shared it in the chat uh, to get that. So, um, and you'll actually see when I go on appraisals, I usually bring a couple copies of this. Um, you know, one for me, because then when I'm looking at, you know, when I'm looking at a particular practice or model, I can flip this open and it just gives me the values for any particular practice area. It gives me the, the intent of that particular practice area, the value that's associated with it, and then a quick description of those particular practices in there. It's not the full of the model that basically goes into like, this is the type of artifacts or this is the type of activities that you would see. This is, this is the expected uh, elements of it. These are the additional considerations of it. These are the best practices within that. That's the full. That's what you're going to get in the full model viewer. But this is your quick reference guide that will often um, you'll see the appraisal teams um, leveraging. Um, so, yeah, Tom, would you point to any other materials or sources to um, help answer Bernardo's question? There are a couple, a couple more um, summary documents that the CMI Institute has shared that talks about the structure of it. But um, I, I think your your first example, George, of just getting the model viewer and getting access to the details, because that goes through each practice and the kind of example documents that one might see. Um, it gives a little bit more explanatory information. Um, but as, as so I think there's the general information. And then when it comes to specifically how should your site do something, we rarely give templates, although we may show a couple of different examples, because once we show you a template, then it's hard to sort of divorce yourself from some of those ideas. And, in, and instead, we'd really like to say, here are some different examples. Let's work on how it would best fit your organization. So, um, so, there, so on a general level, I think we're providing some of, the, some of that information. And if you're really interested going and becoming, either going through the training or becoming more of a um, whether you're wanting to be a team member or just get knowledge, I think the training classes are really valuable because you'll go through a lot of activities related to it. Um, and then just work with your lead appraiser and your team members. Um, I, I do quite a few of additional um, like educations or sessions, workshops. I did, I've done two workshops this week on estimation and metrics. So it's just, you know, your appraiser, I think, will be really happy to help, help with that um, to help in a specific area. Yeah, I, and you know, in the absence of that, if, if your appraiser is Tom, that's great. Uh, but in the absence of that, if you are ever having uh, you know, questions on any particular practice area or practice as to you know, what this means, please feel free to, to reach out to us and we can have a call to, to help, help you understand that and some of the things that we've, we've seen. As, as you can probably gather, you know, we're not afraid to talk about these things. We're, we, we love it and we'd be happy to chat with you about it. Okay, so I've, we've run over by, by nine minutes. Again, these, I, I hope this has been of um, some, some value to all of you. And um, I'm gonna be, I'll send out a, some information afterwards just to follow up with everybody. Um, certainly, if, if you think this has been helpful and successful, let us know and we'll look to uh, do, do something like this again in the future. We're just, just like we provide by way of appraisals and audits and uh, consulting with organizations, we, we try to provide value to organizations by saying, hey, these are areas in which you can and improve. We're, act, we're also very interested in how we can uh, improve this particular activity, bringing this information to you in webinars, podcasts, newsletters. So if you have uh, any feedback on that, we'd certainly welcome that. Thank you, everybody, for participating and uh, have a great day. Talk to you soon.
You too. Thank you, guys. Thank you Take so care. much. Have a nice day. Bye. Take care, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye.